The NFL was absolutely wild this week, but I still have a fundamental question for you. Are the Bills for real? We'll discuss this and more. This is Iceman and Coach. That's right, everybody. It is another Wednesday, which means it is time for the Iceman and Coach Sports Show. Unfortunately, we don't have Coach with us today because the place where he records his studio had a little bit of a pipe-bursting incident in which there was flooding standing water in the studio. Obviously, that is not the kind of environment that you would have to record a show. So, no need to panic, though, because I brought in a savvy veteran, and that is Cleve Wason, who is not only the head of talent relations at the Matty S Media Network, he's also the co-host of the Political Football Podcast, which is a weekly live show, and you can also catch everywhere that you find your podcast. Cleve, thank you for stepping in for Mr. Coach. I know you're not going to try and show him up, but welcome to the Iceman and Coach Sports Show, or Iceman and Cleve, maybe this week. Yo, it's good to be here, man. It's uh, always a pleasure working with you. So uh, I hope the coach gets through his uh, situation, um, you know, without a life raft. Yeah, I know. It's not even at his house. And he said the the bitch of it is, is all the recording equipment is something that he bought and it's all at the place that they record. So he could have done this at home, but uh, it's all in their, their little studio. And it is nice to have a dedicated studio, but obviously you want to be turning the water off when it's wintertime in Peoria, Illinois. However, he'll be back next week and all will be good. But usually we get into some sports talk. We like to talk about ourselves and stuff like that. But uh, there was an incident this week that I think is worthy of our attention. And it, it really hit the news stream this week. And I think that it certainly supersedes any sports talk that we could have. And it is the shooting or the uh, the, the attempted murder, the murders at, at the University of Virginia. And what we know now is a former football player who apparently was a freshman or a running back or something shot and killed three other current, I believe, University of Virginia football players and as well as injuring two to other people. He is in custody. I'm not going to say his name here on the broadcast because I don't see a need to give him any type of news, but obviously this hits home for me because of the Virginia Tech shooting and back in 2007. This is a little bit different. This is not really a mass shooting. This seems like it was very personal, but I wanted to get your thoughts on the state of college campuses today because I'm pretty certain that when we went to college, we didn't have to worry about this kind of thing, which seems rampant now. Now, like I like I always said, you know, I'm, I'm a little older than you. A lot of, actually a lot of older than you. And one of the things that I cherish in my childhood is that I didn't have to deal with, it was never a thing. Uh, when I was coming up, postal shootings were the norm of the day, but a school shooting, high school, I mean, Columbine, when Columbine happened, I was a full-blown adult. Um, so it's hard for me to relate to what's going on, but sad nonetheless that someone lost their life. I don't know all the backstory about what happened with this kid or but tonight, families are mourning. I'm pretty sure his family's mourning that he's not going to be coming home anytime soon. It's a tragedy all around and um, all, all that are involved. I hope um, there's some solace, there's some answers, and, and, and hopefully we'll get some justice out of this or something like that. I'm also a little bit worried that the situation is going to be related to something extracurricular besides football. And I think that the Aaron Hernandez situation, obviously we're well past that now, he's deceased and all that, but that really shed a lot of light on the kind of double lives that some of these kids can have. And University of Virginia is a wonderful institution, but as we know, and you and I have talked about this, the culture of winning these days, especially in college football, is it doesn't really matter whether you live up to the expectations, the academic standards of a university. There's so few of them that probably hold 
hold football players to that to those standards. And so it's not a guarantee that these guys aren't coming from places that maybe they have this, but we don't know. And that's the thing that sucks is three people are dead, two people are injured, and we have no answers. But it's sad that something like this could happen. And you kind of wonder, is it related to football? Is it related to the NIL stuff? There's so many things that swirl through my head as to why a kid, and I say a kid, could have this kind of reaction, but also to get a gun and go shoot somebody. You've, you and I have talked about this so many times, online, offline, it doesn't matter. We've never ever in our lives felt the need to go get a gun and kill somebody. No, I mean, I've, I've felt the, the need to, uh, I'm, I'm not gonna say I'm not a, I'm not a violent person, but if, if 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 I feel wrong, I feel, you know, retribution or retaliation might be the word of the day, but it has never escalated to at least now, knock on wood, to that to that level where I'm gonna go out and and, and do that. So let me ask you a question. Obviously, UVA has probably two more games to go. They're in the same boat as Virginia Tech. They stink, and we have to play them last game of the season. And how do you handle that as a football coach? If you're the coach, are you shutting the rest of the season down? Because this is a tragedy that no no team ever really has to handle, if you really think about it. I mean, three of the kids are dead, plus one of the kids now, or one of the former walk-ons, is the perpetrator or the accused right now. And this is a lot for a head coach to deal with. So how would you handle it if you were the coach? Um, I mean, the, the season is going to end in the next few weeks. So shutting shutting it down uh, for the kids who worked hard. But again, uh, to your point, if they if they're not playing for anything, then it might be best to send everyone home and, and deal with it that way. I don't know if they're a bowl contention or not. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Um, no, yeah. not even. Close. So, yeah, I mean, it, it may be pointless to do that at this point to set up a you know like just because obviously you know people are friends with other people on the team so some of the guys were probably really close to the football players that got that got killed so yeah I, I probably would err on shutting it down if there was nothing to play for as a parent i think that i would want my kid not anywhere near the football facility not anywhere near the team and maybe that's unfair but at the same time it seems to be related to something around the football team and and as a parent, you know, you're sending your kids to these universities. And we joke about this with Nick Saban, where he's not going into the, the living rooms and saying, hey, I'm going to take care of your kids. He's obviously talking a much more business approach. But it wasn't in the too distant past that co head coaches walked into living rooms and said, let me or give me your trust. I will take care of your child, your son. And nowadays it's not the same. So I think as a parent, I would just feel like the it's not not the university let me down, but certainly I would not want my kid there while this all gets fleshed out because who knows what else could happen or who knows why this is happening and as a parent it's just it's frightening it's absolutely frightening i mean you're a parent i'm a parent and it's just a weird situation i would probably want my kid home just to kind of take a little bit of time to figure out how you feel about this because this is heavy <clears throat> i mean and, and when mm -hmm. you were playing if this were to happen how do you think the coaches would have handled it back then because it was a different locker room back then we would have played the rest of the season out you know it's it's i'm hard pressed to say that that's that's uh finality but um i grew up in a different time where where certain things were where we were sensitized and desensitized too um i wouldn't be and again i'm you know, for anyone listening, I'm not speculating on what happened. I'm, I'm not even going to venture into that part of the deep. But what I do feel like it could be something as simple as hazing, you know, hazing, hazing yeah. a football player who's a freshman. And, you know, I think one of the, the guys was a senior, two or sophomores. I'm not fully, you know, like I said, I'm not fully immersed in the story, but it could have been something that simple because <clears throat> we live in a society now where everything um, through their perception can be viewed a certain way. Sometimes you, you might think of putting someone as a butt of a joke, it could have deadly consequences. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think we talked last week about the purge being so scary because who the hell knows who you piss off? No. You don't yep. even know. And something like this could happen. I mean, and this is this is real life, man. I mean, sports is wonderful and it's nice to have a getaway. And I know you talk all the time about not wanting politics mixing in with your sports like a meal, not having your peas and your mashed potatoes. But sometimes we have to talk about it. And, and this incident, I actually scrapped what we were going to talk about earlier because I th this just hits too close to home. I mean, it's a home university here in the state of Virginia. It's obviously the rival of where I went to, but never in a million years do you wish this on your rival university or anybody that goes to the that rival school. And the whole thing made me very, very sad because as you eloquently pointed out, there are three sets of parents or three parents or whatever who are mourning the loss of their child and not to mention all the other people that are mourning this loss. And it's just a sad situation all around. And I felt like we had to at least broach the subject at the top of the show. In very good taste. Um, like I said, you know, um, I hope that there are some answers and I hope that some of those answers bring closure. I, I know that it's, it's so soon to say that, but we got to see what, what comes to this. Yes. And as your co-host Dave would say, there's no way to do this. So we're going to transition right into the NFL and we're going to talk about somebody who you love. And that is Jeff Saturday, newly minted head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. There are 32 head coaching jobs in the entire world. And Jeff Saturday with his three and seven high school record has one of those jobs. And guess what, man? He got the job done, looking great on the sidelines, 25-20 over the listless Las Vegas Raiders. How friggin' bad are the Raiders to lose to a guy who's never set foot on an NFL sideline as a head coach or any coach? As I said to you guys offline, I, th I think that um, this center position um, is very much overlooked as a very cerebral position on the field, um, helping the quarterback mm -hmm. and, and navigating that, anchoring that offensive line, basically. So if anything that we would have saw was the offensive line coming together and putting up a, a, um, a blocking scheme that got their running back going, you know, prior to that, you know, Taylor wasn't getting that much, that much burn. And he uh, got the corpse of, uh, <laughs> of Matt Ryan to show up and, and, and play a little ball. Yeah, and you know Jeff Saturday loves himself a veteran oh, yeah. quarterback, too. Like, this was a wet dream for Jeff Saturday. He's sitting there on the sidelines, and the best part was, I don't know, whoever's listening, Jeff Saturday tweeted, I think it was on Halloween or the day before Halloween, how the Raiders look horrible, and then in his first head coaching gig, he beats up the Raiders <laughs> in Vegas. The, Vegas. the Raiders were at home. They're at home against either a washed-up Matt Ryan or Sam Ellinger, neither of which is a great option, a head coach who's never done this before, and a bunch of assistants who have to just be pissed even though they're not outwardly pissed and they lose they lose i mean the raiders are i'm gonna say this right now i know the texans are out there and i know there's other bad teams i personally believe the raiders are the worst team in the nfl because the expectations were high they have a lot of talent and it's it's been terrible like just so terrible and this has got to be one of the worst losses they've ever had we know we say kind of jokingly you know about terminating a head coach when um, things aren't going well. And, and you know my feelings about that because I always feel like the families that are hitched to the wagon of the of the head coach get pretty much um, screwed in, in that fashion. But I think in this case that I would have terminated Josh McDaniel that on the field like Herm Edwards got or shortly thereafter. <laughs> because again... I was going to say, you're the same guy who advocates for getting fired yeah, at halftime. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's obviously... Um, 
you know the whole Jeff Saturday thing you know uh, in 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 regards like the Rooney rule or stuff like that that's a whole nother conversation but it seems like Josh is out of his element and maybe um they should have stuck with the guy they had last year I think he was a special teams coach that got them to the playoffs and they had <laughs> the playoff work I was gonna say they they, they were a playoff team last year and they added Devontae yeah. Adams and I know that you can lose guys in the margins on the line you know some backup guys but basically they had a playoff team who lost so much last year with the Gruden stuff, Henry Ruggs, everything, and you trade for Devontae Adams, who has actually looked pretty good. And I'm not putting all this on Derek Carr because he hasn't looked god-awful, but they've blown so many leads. And this was just, to me, an inexcusable loss. You cannot lose to a guy who's never coached in this league at any level, any level. And Jeff Saturday's on the sidelines, just looks the part, man. I got to tell you that. I, I got to tell you, when he looks the part out there. <laughs> I'm completely convinced that you can get someone from Madden Nation to, to write up a better game plan than some of these coaches that are, that take these jobs for, for granted. You know, you just said one of 32. That's a very unique mm -hmm. place to be where, you, where you're, you're one of 32 people that can get this job done. You know, and again, on that on that staff, you got John Fox who went to a Super Bowl. They, they, they look right past Foxy and like, hey, Jeff, are you available next week? I think that's the best part is it's obviously an indictment to a whole bunch of guys on that staff who are former coaches. As you pointed out, John Fox went to a Super Bowl with Jake DeLome, Mushin Muhammad, and, and anybody else you want to throw in there. And they almost beat Brady in yeah. the Pats in that Super Bowl. That was a great Super Bowl. And yet probably what they did was look at his stint with the Bears and said, nah, yeah, we're hard pass. And I get it. I get it. And guys that we were going to pass on, by the way, a couple weeks ago, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady gave us the old double bird this week because both of them pulled out wins. And somehow, miraculously, the Bucks are in first place and the Packers are a smidge out of the playoffs. And I have to ask you, which team has a better chance of making the playoffs? You think it's the Bucks because of the division being bad? And do the Packers have an outside chance of getting into that seventh slot? Because I don't think they can win their division with the Vikings being Correct. where they so are. So you kind of answered the question for me. I think the, the Bucs have a better chance with the with the experienced receiver core, the guys that they have, Julio and, and Mike Evans. Um, the Packers, obviously, they're still learning these guys out, you know, getting getting something, some whatever production that they can get. I would give it to the Bucs based on experience. And I lost my hat betting on betting against Tom Brady a few times. I was going to say, shouldn't we know by now? It's amazing. He's 2-0 since he got divorced, <laughs> by the way. So good for him, I guess. And it's just funny because, it, first of all, he's the first player in NFL history to win in four different countries. Like, how many more records does this guy need? Four countries. I think it was like England, Mexico, Germany, and the United States. I mean, it's ridiculous at this point. And they weren't, the thing is, though, this Bucks team isn't going to steamroll teams. And what really happened was a veteran team and a veteran quarterback came out and kind of I would say humble Gino and the boys a little bit because they'd come in on a roll. Gino's been playing extremely well and they made it a game late, but Tom is Tom and Aaron Rodgers, man, they're down 14 at home to the Cowboys, Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys, and they end up coming back and winning. And it's like the Cowboys always seem to find a way to mess it up. This is a game they should have won. They're up two scores against a team that's three and six. Come on. there's Mike McCarthy is going to cost them a playoff game. I just know it. If they burn out, McCarthy's gone. You know that, and I know that. 
do we though? Because Jerry Jones has been known to hold on to guys. Remember, they had the clapper for a whole decade. It's anyone that would, would agree with his position. Anyone that's not going to challenge him. I mean, the Parcells didn't last, right? <laughs> that's true. And that was at the tail end of Parcells' career. Although technically, Bill Parcells got them Tony Romo because he had the balls to make that call over Drew Bledsoe, who mm -hmm. I love, by the way. But I'm just saying, like the, the Cowboys... They're a team, it's so hard to trust the Cowboys because time after time after time, they just come up short in these big moments. And I just feel like this is the kind of game that they're gonna have to win in the playoffs at some point. I mean, they lost to Jimmy G and the 49ers last year mm -hmm. at home. And I just don't know if they have it. I don't know if their talent and the way that they're constructed and their coaching can actually get them over the hump. Am I wrong about that? No, I think you're absolutely spot on. I think it's, they're just one of those teams, they're not snake bit. So I'm not even gonna go to that direction no. with it. They just, they're the, they just show up to the party not dressed correctly. <laughs> they're not dressed yes, for it. And Another team we usually can't trust, and I still can't, are the Minnesota Vikings, and they're eight and one. Like I don't even know how that happened. I feel like I woke up in the Matrix, and the Vikings are eight and one, and they just beat the Buffalo Bills in Orchard Park. The Bills have now lost two straight. Before we get to the Vikings, though, I want to ask you because you have been a guy who was really down on Josh Allen for a good two years, and obviously he's made huge strides. The Bills look great early on in the season. They've now lost two games in a row and Josh Allen has had four red zone turnovers in those games. He was supposedly injured in the Jets game, maybe wasn't supposed to play. And I kind of said, I would have thought they'd learn from the Tua situation and not played him in a game that really doesn't matter in the AFC playoff picture. Do you think you would have played Josh Allen here? Absolutely not. I wouldn't have played him. And then if I remember correctly in the highlights, I think he made an ill-advised tackle on, on that elbow. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? We need you down the stretch, buddy. What are you doing? It's it's amazing. I think the the competitive drive and and the competitive fire that these guys are, are out there trying to um, trying to win the big game or trying to do something. But it was absolutely not a situation where he could have took a week off. I would have. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying is like take a week off in a game. Again, if it's a division rival, I say yeah, go for it because right now the Bills I think are sitting in third place in the division. Mm -hmm. If you can believe that. But it was just a weird, weird game. And then, of course, they took it to the Vikings. But I've noticed a trend here. And it seems like the Bills aren't really good at winning close games. If you really look at the last few years, when they've had to really eke out a win, they've not really been able to do it. I think a very few times they have. In the Jets game last week, that was a game, no offense to you, of course, as a Jets fan, but that was a game that the Bills should have been able to come back and win. The Dolphins game, they should have been able to come back and win it. And Josh Allen has come up short now three separate times in one possession games and i don't know like maybe josh allen isn't built to to win those games when they actually matter <clears throat> i mean you know you and i are big boxing fans and it's like a guy that lives on the knockout i have to get in there and get a knockout but then it's going to be a guy that's going to take you into deep water take and go to distance and can you do that can you can you you know games that you should win by like 100 points you know the jets come on <laughs> well, it's not even that they should have won it by 100 points, but when it's close, the Bills are the kind of team with the talent and the way that they're coached that they should be able to do what Tom Brady usually does and get that game-winning drive. And they just don't seem to be able to have it. I mean, fumbling and losing the lead at the end of the game, and then you're basically gifted overtime because the Vikings defense played absolutely horrible on that drive. And you have six plays for like 75 yards and a field goal. 
And then there's just, I mean, there was the play, you know, of course, where there's 12 men in the field and all that. And obviously it's a back and forth affair, but this is another game now that they've lost. And by the way, this is another game that the Vikings have won. So they have like a plus 35 point differential. Mm -hmm. And that's including their 16 point win in week one. After that, it's been basically three point wins. I, I feel like Kirk Cousins is the best quarterback to play in daylight ever. Like he can't play if it turns dark. <laughs> So he's Blade. He's a daywalker. Well, it's, it's, I mean, look at him. I mean, right now they're playing lights out and the one game that they lost was in prime time. So as soon as the sun goes down, like they better hope to get all day playoff games. <laughs> That's a good point. I, I always mention on PF that, um, that the Vikings or more or less Kirk Cousins is Michigan J frog in disguise because when no one's looking, they're, they're tearing the world up. The minute everyone puts the magnifying glass on them, then he has a bad game in in prime time. So, uh, which could be like a Super Bowl would probably be a really bad situation for this guy. But hats off, man. They're a sneaky. Their record is very sneaky. I can't remember who they beat. Well, it's just they're eight and one, and I feel like they're the least talked about eight and one team yeah. in the history of the NFL. Absolutely. Like it's, I, I don't trust them. And maybe that's because we have years of a sample size with Kirk Cousins and we know that we can't trust them. But at the same time, like eight, one team should be really good, but they kind of remind me of that 11 and 0 Steelers team a couple years ago in our first season on PF. Mm -hmm. And I think they finished the year like 12 and five because yeah. they just weren't that good. But this team has a lot of talent. I mean, Kirk is a good quarterback. Dobbin Cook is excellent. Obviously, Justin Jefferson with that catch is just amazing. Like it, he's not the issue. Let me tell you that right now. And so it's just one of those where they should be as good as eight and one but yet i just can't bring myself to trust them the one thing i noticed about this game uh i'm glad you brought up the catch by um by justin and then there's also a catch by stefan you saw that oh right? god yeah that was another good one too the narrative was is like this is the guy coming home to play the team that that he left and to play the guy that took his place so they were like mirroring each other on the field doing amazing things showing that hey i'm, I'm a, i was a great receiver here too you know, I'm the, oh, yeah. you got my spot. It's the number one guy. But I, I used to be, you know, one of the guys here. Um, I, I don't know. The Bills, I don't trust because um, without without Stefan, Gabe is, I don't know. Is he going to give yeah, you? Yeah, he's kind of hit or miss. Yeah. It's funny because for two, the last few weeks, I've been very much like, you can't take me off the the hill that the bills are the best team in football but then after this week now i find myself questioning that because this is again a sample of three games where they really had a chance to win and josh allen has come up short and i'm not going to take a victory lap and say josh allen is a fraud or whatever i jokingly yeah. said that but yeah. he's not he's obviously very talented but as you and i both know and i know dave is not a huge fan of like being clutch but i do believe that there are guys and teams that come up in big moments and there are teams that don't. And there's a reason why certain teams have won the Super Bowl and certain teams haven't, even though they're very good. And I feel like this Bills team, for some reason, hasn't found that it factor to, to be there and win when it really, really matters, when they really, really need to have it. And it's only going to get di more difficult from here because the AFC East all plays each other in December. It's going to be wild. I mean, their, their chance was the one that changed the rules. <laughs> that was their chance. I don't know if that's going to happen again, so... I don't know, but I do have to ask you because I have a question about best team in the AFC and I have three teams here. Two of them are, are going to be very obvious. One of them is going to be a little bit of a trigger. So one is the Chiefs, of course, and then we have the Bills and then I have the Dolphins because Tua, man, he's been lighting it up. I got to give him his flowers. I know. I gotta well, so I have to say, man, when I watch that team, they actually are very fun and they took out the Browns in a way that was very Cobra Kai, like just no mercy. I don't care. And Tua 
in the mid-range is just deadly accurate. And that's the kind of football that they're going to need to play if they play in a hostile environment in a winter game. Like they're not gonna be chucking it 40 yards down the field to Tyreek Hill. But Tyreek Hill is having a historic year without the flashiness that he usually is known for. I actually think the Dolphins are really good. I think they're a contender. I, I have to probably eat a little crow tomorrow on, on PF, but um, I, I know it's coming. But again, yeah, I mean, the numbers don't lie. I mean, that team is obviously infinitely better with Tua at the helm and Tua is playing really good football. Like he, he's like, it's MVP like, I, you know, I don't know what, you know, Mahomes obviously doing what Mahomes does, but Tua is right in the mix with, with the Jalen Hurts and, and, and some of these other guys. But it's, it's like, you know, if I'm watching the Bills or the Dolphins, I'm like, who, you know, who we got here? Well, I think the thing about the Dolphins too, is like, they haven't really had much of a running game. And now all of a sudden, if they can get that Shanahan like running game together and that offense can just put up points they're going to be tough to beat and the thing is though about your argument so your argument is that two is not the guy long term because you think durability matters and i kind of agree with you on that and so while others may take a victory lap this season on it being a great season and if the dolphins win the super bowl this year then it doesn't matter because they achieved the goal but i think that the goal is to have this for like a decade mm -hmm. and I don't know if that's the case with Tua so I think that you're partially right in your analysis that he's probably not going to last that long but this particular season he's having what may end up being his best season ever mm -hmm. and then I think what's going to happen next year is McDaniel is going to get figured out Tua is going to get figured out a little bit and they're going to have to adjust and that's when we're going to find out the longevity of this project but this year it's hard to argue with how they've looked and I have to say they're fun they actually look fun to watch very fun team um I take nothing from them like I said you know me I never thought he was a horrible quarterback but I just the durability was something that scared me with with Tua always so um hats off man I mean they're really making the um the division kind of very interesting right now so I agree. And you mentioned MVP. And I want to ask you, I think we're more than halfway through the season. And obviously, there's been some talk about MVP now, because I think we have enough of a sample where we can start talking about it. But we've had discussions about MVP that we've differed a little bit. And I want to ask you, when it comes to MVP, I think in today's game, the quarterback gets the nod because it's mostly a statistical thing when I think about value. And there are other guys in the league that I think are more valuable than some of the quarterbacks out there. But how do you define an MVP? Like when you're thinking about it today, if you're looking at the crop of players who you could pick from, how are you making that decision as to who you'd put there as opposed to maybe how it's traditionally done now? Well, obviously, I'm going to pick the Chiefs uh, as, my, as my test subject here. You take Mahomes off the Chiefs right now, that team doesn't do what it does. Um, Mahomes is that valuable to the offense and just showing you statistically, everyone can tell their mom, hey mom, I got in the game because everyone's caught touchdowns. <laughs> everyone, he's he's using every available, um, you know, if a guy gets shipped in there next week, that guy's going to be, it's going to have a touchdown. Um, I don't know if that's by design or, you know, he sees the field better. I don't know what it is about that, but he, to me, that's what the MVP is. It's like, obviously, if you take me off the field, obviously no one's going to, you know, no one's going to be afraid of the Chiefs. I don't even know who their backup is. Ooh, is it Chad Henney still? I is feel like it is. It's somebody like that. Wow. Yeah, probably. There's a lot of the backups, man, because, I mean, obviously I didn't watch a lick of that Cardinals-Rams oh, no. game with dual backups. Absolutely not. Although Colt McCoy, I have to tell you, man, 
still collecting a check in the league. Mad respect for that guy. Like, mad respect for that guy. He's in Matt Castle territory. Never really cashed in quite the same way that he did, but he's a serviceable enough backup that he comes in there and you feel like you got something for that one-game sample, so I've got to give it to him. But I think that when you look at MVP, I think you're right. The Dolphins are my test subject because when Tua was out, they looked terrible. But And that was with Tyreek Hill on the field. So Tyreek Hill is having a historic season, but I don't think that he's as valuable. And I think that that word matters. I think that in today's game, the quarterback does get the nod, not because it's a statistical thing, because quarterbacks matter. Mm -hmm. We've seen teams without a good quarterback not look good. I'm looking at the Denver Broncos. They still don't have a quarterback. We'll get to that a little bit later, but, but they're horrendous, by the way, just absolutely despicably atrocious. Like Russ may play himself out of the Hall of Fame. Anyway, so Can't argue <laughs> it's that. awful. Yeah, and Nathaniel Hackett still has a job. I mean, I think Jeff Saturday might actually be a better head coach than Nathaniel Hackett, who has coaching experience. So perhaps that whole conversation at the beginning is worthless <laughs> that we had. But I think that when it comes down to MVP, I'm looking at three guys. I'm looking at Jalen Hurts because I think that that team, while talented, isn't where it is because he's got two turnovers all year. Now, he may make one tonight. We're recording on a Monday, so he might throw like five picks against the commanders, but I doubt it. And then I think you got Tua. I think you got Mahomes. I think that those are your MVPs. And Josh Allen might have been in the conversation, but lately I don't think so. And I don't I don't think Kirk Cousins is in the conversation at all. But I was gonna say that's 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 my um record. Record alone is 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 why I would put Kirk in it. I had Gino in it at one point, but again, will we see that will we see him, you yeah. know, week fourteen looking like that? That's a good question. I know, right? Because you, I actually thought that, you know, through ten, nine weeks, it's hard to be fluky through nine weeks. But I think that maybe Gino's the kind of guy who can sustain it for 10 games and then it becomes mm -hmm. what the norm is. And that usually is what happens. Maybe you're right. Maybe Kirk does deserve to be hovering around the conversation. I'm not giving him enough credit because he's obviously played very well except for the one game. But I think MVP is going to be really interesting this year because I do believe there's going to be like four or five guys and it's not going to be a runaway. And the thing about Mahomes, though, Mahomes is almost in Steph Curry territory where he just does it on the regular so often that it's hard to appreciate it as much as you could because it is so great all the time. And it's like Steph or LeBron would win the MVP like every year, but you can't just keep giving it to the guys because they're great. And I think that that Mahomes might actually fall into that category now because you and I have doubted whether he has a longevity based off of how he plays. But this year, he's proven to me, gotten rid of the gunslinger stuff, and he's just doing what he has to do to win. Dangerous because he's excellent at quarterback, and I think that he yeah, set himself up now. For sure. I, I That's why I use them as a test subject. Like, you, you take him off that team right now, they got no shot. They got no shot. I mean, using he's using everyone at his disposal. Like he's he's going into the Swiss Army uh, uh, knife and just saying, "Hey, you know what? Be open on this play. I might I might be looking your way." And it's really nice to have as large of a Swiss Army oh, knife yeah. as he does because Kadarius Tony yeah. caught a touchdown who Dave famously said was overdrafted by the New York Giants, never really caught on with them, and now he's got a touchdown with the Chiefs. He, 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 well, he's going to play in the playoff game this year. <laughs> Yeah, he is. I mean, they're just collecting guys that other teams just could never make anything of. Juju's out there, although he had a horrific, horrific look. And that was very Tua-like. I don't know, because you, you know, don't necessarily watch the games every Sunday, but I did catch the replay of that. And Juju did look very Tua-like after he got hit. It was a very, very scary hit. And obviously, Andy Reid is a veteran head coach, and he, Juju didn't see the field, probably won't see the field this week. So I have to give Andy, Andy credit for that, because that was very, very scary. But even with a guy like Juju down, they got a whole bunch of dudes out there and they win tough games. You know, like 
they're not flashy in a way because like they almost lost to the Titans with Malik Willis, who had, I think, five completions. <laughs> so they're certainly not world beaters, but I think they finally figured out that they don't have to be. Yeah, the um, I'm glad you said what you said about Malik. I think the Malik situation is going to be another naggy fields kind of situation because the, the quarterback and the coach kind of don't know what to expect from each other so uh yeah yeah <laughs> so that's why i wanted to mention that but yeah i, I um my homes is he has fun out there man i i just you know mvp is getting everyone involved and and obviously being um being that guy like being the catalyst for everything everything that, that happens through that offense happens through Mahomes, and that's why he's my mvp candidate as if we have to pick it today he's my guy and then i would say kurt and um tua toss up and then um then after there you might have to think about if rogers or brady you know rips off a few wins with these guys and, and make a playoff berth and even a super bowl if brady goes to the super bowl they have to change the rule of waiting five years to put you in and just put him in that night like he, he he literally flies to canton the next morning for his for his induction speech like that's that would be insane i'm at the point now where i'm convinced that i think the game is gonna have to retire brady like i i don't believe that he is going to walk away in his own terms especially now that he's unimpeded by anything like divorce or anything i mean he's gotten through that and Football is the guy's life, and in some ways it's kind of sad because I would like to think that as much as I love anything, that I wouldn't be willing to give up what it seems like he's been willing to give up. But, I mean, they should—I've always wondered about that. When you're picking a Hall of Fame class, like, why do you need that five years to, like, sit on somebody's stats? I mean, I get it that there are certain guys that maybe you want to, but I think what we end up seeing is these guys end up being in these classes around these other competitors who they have no chance of beating. And that's why it took Ray Guy, rest in peace, so long to get into the Hall of Fame because he's around all these other guys who do way much more than he does, but yet he's excellent at what he does. And Brady, you're right. They, I mean, I've always said they should name a wing after the guy because he basically is football. And everybody, it's almost like they have the Hall of Fame, and then if you're in the Brady wing, you're in the elite of the elite because there is that class. Like, there's the Hall of Fame, and then there's, like, the Hall within the Hall of Fame, and that is 100% football, and I think Brady is the perfect representative of that. And it's funny you said you said what you said about that the game has to retire him because, again, an, another boxing reference, the ring has to reca- uh, retire some guys. Some guys just don't, until they go in and get just beat to shreds, it's like, okay, all right, I think I can't do this anymore. Because every NFL player says they know the exact play down in distance or the what stadium, like, I'm done. Like, I, I can't chase a guy down. I can't get on that route. I can't see a guy. I can't throw him open. I'm done. So, um, you know, if he, like I said, if he goes to another Super Bowl, let alone win one, just goes to another Super Bowl, he is arguably the greatest football player to ever live. I mean, the the records and the milestones alone is going to have his own wing in Canton. Like, that's, it's, it's ridiculous. He also broke an entire franchise because the Falcons have never been the same. And Matt Ryan has never been the same since then either. A game in which I still watch it on NFL Network and forget that I know what actually happens. And it's the rare game that you can watch as a fan. Like I just, I watch it every time as a fan and I'm like just shocked by it every time. It's insane. And poor Matt Ryan will never escape that. Never. I had a, had a Marty McFly moment about that a couple of years ago where I'm like, I went to the future and I already seen what happened. Like, I can't believe I'm watching yeah. this game. Like, sitting there like, oh, my God, 
I'm like, wow, yeah, I forgot they lost this game. Crazy. Speaking of crazy, I want to do something a little bit different here. I want to do some contender and pretender with you. Are you game for this, sir? Yeah, sure. Let's get it going. Okay, so right now, if the season ended today, we talked about MVP, but if the season ended today, the AFC playoff picture would look like this. The Chiefs would be the number one seed. The Dolphins would be the number two seed. The Titans, bleh, would be the number three seed. The Ravens would be four. The Jets would be five. The Bills would be six. And the Patriots would be seven. The entire AFC East would make the playoffs in the AFC if the season ended today. In the NFC, the Eagles would be number one, clearly. The Vikings, number two. Seahawks, three. Bucks would be four with a 500 record. Mm -hmm. The New York football giants would be the five seed. The Cowboys would be six and the 49ers would be seven. So that would be your playoff seed. I'm sure that there are some teams in here that surprise you a little bit. A little bit. Giants. <laughs> Giants and Jets being both in the playoffs at the same time, I actually can't tell you when that happened last. It probably wasn't all that long ago because both of these teams obviously have had deep playoff runs in the last 15 years or so, unlike the Lions. And I've, I feel like, though, that both of those teams are, they're sneaky with their records and they're, we're going to do this contender pretender team, but can you imagine if the entire AFC East made the playoffs? I mean... <laughs> not talked about as the best division in football coming in. I, you know what? I would actually be, I would be good with that because again, I'm celebrating my team and my division being, you know, I've always had the division because, you know, the, the Pats would go or whatever. Um, and this is the first time that, um, the entire division, I mean, the Pats, the, the, the Dolphins, the Bills, I mean, everyone looks good or good enough, you know, like they, everyone has a spark mm -hmm. where, you know, no team is left behind and everyone has a fighting chance. It's, it's, it's like, it's great. It's great, man. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause when you look at the bubble, there are some teams on there that are surprising. There are some teams that maybe aren't. So I'm going to go, I have about 10 teams here. I'm going to ask you for your opinion. So the first one contender or pretender, the new England Patriots are a pretender. I would actually have to agree with you because at five and four, there are a lot of other teams lurking about, but they're coached by Bill Belichick. So I think that they have a chance to make the playoffs, but they got to play the bills twice and they got to play the jets too. So there are a couple of tough games games on their schedule but i tend to agree with you okay the new york jets contender or pretender pretender i'm waiting for the shoe to drop and i noticed my team and it's so messed up to say that i'm just waiting for for zach to show up as zach again don't trust it but they've been winning despite that so you don't have because i asked coach this a couple weeks ago maybe it was last week who would you rather be the bears or the jets and he said he'd rather be the bears because it's so hard to find the guy but i argued that the jets have found everything else and that might lure the guy there via a trade and they might be good so you don't feel as confident even though they've been winning with zach throwing for like 118 yards that's the exact problem when it's going to come down to getting into a shootout where we need points and that ain't going to cut it throwing for 118 yards, throwing for less than 200 yards, ain't, ain't going to cut it. Uh, we don't have the running game uh, stout as it used to be. So it, it, it it's kind of like Zach, <laughs> that defense has to play. Sauce has to play. Like these guys have to play to, to cover because when it comes down to pure quarterback play, we're, that's, that's, the, that's the, the weak link for me. And they lost Brees Hall. So, of yeah. course, that he was electric coming in. I can kind of understand that. But Robert Sala said they're taking receipts, man. So you got to believe him, don't you? Yeah, right now. But again, like I said, you know, it's when it comes down. Well, you know me. What's my uh, what's my saying? Do it in the playoffs, right? Do it in the playoffs. <laughs> That's the playoffs. right. Vikings do it in the do it in prime time.
All right, so there's another team that I know you and I feel probably very similar about, and that is the Los Angeles Chargers. Pretender. I feel like Brandon Staley is squandering Justin Herbert, and if they don't make the playoffs this year, I would fire him. I, I, I second that. The kid's out there playing with a busted rib or whatever that injury was a couple weeks ago. He's out there yeah, playing. Yeah, he is. So, but again, even, even, in, even at that level, like he's still playing good ball, <laughs> good enough ball. Got to figure the coaching out. Right now, they're outside looking in, so they're not making the playoffs right now, and they just, they've never been consistent under him. Now, I know that there are some who will jerk off the analytics and all that, and there is a time and a place for that because that is the game today, but at some point, you had to win football games, and Brandon Staley is not winning football games with a quarterback that everybody says they would build a franchise around. Oh I would God. take Justin Herbert right now on the are Patriots, right me? now. Are you kidding me? I would trade four guys. I would go have a moment, five minutes by myself with a picture of Justin in a Patriots uniform and then come back. Like that's how much I would love to have him on the team. And the Patriots would be Super Bowl contenders right now with Justin Herbert. Yeah, you can't explain that away, you know, it's crazy. But there's only like seven Chargers fans. So there's not that much of an <laughs> uprising to fire the guy. So there's that. Okay, next team, the Tennessee Titans. Pretenders. They're gonna win that division and they're still pretender as shit because <laughs> Brian Tannehill, like, isn't it amazing? Last year, they were the number one seed in the playoffs, and I picked them to win the Super Bowl. I went back, or not win, excuse me. I, I picked them to make the Super Bowl because they had one less game. They had Derrick Henry coming back, and they looked terrible. Tannehill, three picks against the Bengals, awful. This year, they start 0-2, and to their credit, they're 6-3. and So they've obviously turned it around, but against really crappy opponents. And that, that Titans-Broncos game or whatever, I think, just awful. And like, Red Zone had to go go to it they had to contractually obligated to show that game is terrible and the titans i feel like are one of those teams who's going to win their division they're going to probably have 10 wins they are not going anywhere derrick henry looks good but that team has nothing no, else it's, it's a one-man pony show i'm actually fairly surprised that or i will be surprised if derrick henry is still a titan next year because i think that he's getting close to that precipitous fall and much like christian mccaffrey that team really isn't going anywhere i don't think malik willis is going to really like all of a sudden become the guy and there are teams who could use him next season mm -hmm. to, to get over the hump, especially if they can add him to a team that maybe doesn't need to run him into the ground. So yep. I think the Titans are complete frauds. Speaking of which, the Giants, the New York Giants. I gotta say contender, man. <laughs> Watching them. Really? Yeah. You know why? They're running, like, they got Saquon now to actually be there for this, like, for a good duration. So when Danny Dimes is not having a Danny Dimes day, you know, they're going to run the ball. Um, I just, they look good this year. I mean, they look good against whoever, but um, obviously the Eagles is, is, is the uh, is the best in that division. But um, they're very surprising, very surprising. And I think it's, it's the coaching. The coach, what what they yeah. got, it says a lot about because we we all shipped Danny Dimes um Danny Dimes off two years ago because of I mean you said his ball protection was was ridiculous like this year it's been a lot better. What I said was that it was a hard thing to fix because fumbling is different than interceptions but to his credit they have fixed it ball security is something that he is prioritizing this year and you and i both we didn't write him off man we said he had athletic ability and maybe he needed the right situation i think brian dayball gives him that situation i feel like at this point through nine games you're seven and two bill parcells used to say it all the time you are what your record says yeah. you are i've got to agree with you i think the giants are going to make the playoffs do i think they can win the super bowl i I think they can make the Super Bowl in the NFC because it's not very top heavy. This is not the AFC. So I'm kind of with you on that. All right. The 49ers. Pretenders. 
I'm so with you on this. And last night, Kyle Shanahan, or yesterday, Kyle Shanahan has Christian McCaffrey on his team and gave Jeff Wilson 18 <laughs> carries. Like this I, is exactly why. Like I don't, I don't. You know what? I'm not a coach. Never coached a game in my life, man, other than Madden or something like that. But I just don't understand. Like why bring the guy over to feed another guy? Is he hurt again? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But all I know is that that team can't score over 22 points apparently, and it's boring football. It's Jimmy G. Check this out. Jimmy G. Is 10 and two when he has games where he's never thrown a touchdown. Like, are you kidding with that wow. stat? Like, what the hell? So last night I feel like last night it was Chargers and 49ers and there are two coaches in my mind that are getting a lot of credit for being sharp and smart and we've got nothing I mean outside of the 49ers obviously making this you know they made a Super Bowl of course and they made an NFC championship game but this year like they have to do something like the 49ers have to do something they're not going to win the Super Bowl like this so <laughs> I I feel like they're they're just weak I don't know but they'll probably make a run to the NFC championship game for all I know. exactly so, all right the Green Bay Packers <sighs> pretenders I was wondering where you're going to go with that because I thought this game was going to turn you around like ever so slightly, but they still have no talent. Correct. <laughs> I don't know if you caught the uh, the sideline thing where where um, Rodgers blows up on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because Rodgers is going to let you know how he feels because yeah. whatever the play call was, obviously he wasn't feeling it because he saw another guy open. He saw a guy open and couldn't throw, couldn't get him the ball. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that was like. He was pump faking like for his life. And I'm like, why are you pump? Just let it go. But um, I think it's getting to that point. Yeah. That he just doesn't really care anymore. Like he's he's not, he's not like completely dialed in. He's like, I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me. I mean, maybe. Although that rookie who dropped the pass, I think in week one at three touchdowns this week. So maybe they finally found something. It's almost like, yeah, you know we'll find it whenever i fucking feel like we're gonna find it i don't know you know what that's right <laughs> that's playing that's telling guys play for your next team because you're not going to be here next year so go have a three, yeah. go have a three touchdown day you do you tell mom all right one of your favorite teams the cincinnati Bengals. Ooh, uh, well that's a, that's a tough one yeah reason being is because um their star is out is he still out yeah jamar chase is out i think for like four weeks so I think they've got three more games, but hey, the first game without him, they put up like 50 points against the Panthers. Yeah. So I don't. I mean, it was the Panthers. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, the Panthers beat the Bucks. So let's go. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. I, um. Football. I, so if I had to pick gun to my head, uh, pretenders, and I had, I had to, I feel, I had to pick the go back, dude. I, that's it's hard for me to say that I had to pick the go. Back. I told you, I warned you. Yeah, I you warned did. you, you at the beginning of the did. season, it's yeah. hard to go back, and the Bengals now with the last spotlight. But I will say, I think that Joe Burrow is capable of getting this team into the playoffs like if it's them or the Patriots I feel like the Bengals even without Jamar Chase for a little bit of time are better suited to make the playoffs and have a run because they have a better quarterback like I'm taking Joe Burrow over Mac Jones every day of the week and I think that that is going to set them apart so I do feel like they are going to sneak into the playoffs just right now they're on the outside looking in but that division is is weak outside of the Ravens so I think that they have a chance all right two more teams the commanders I don't even know why I'm asking you this pretenders please yeah, they're one. Hey, they're number eight right now. So they're one spot out of the playoff. Like that's how crazy this season has been. But I, I tend to agree with you. I don't think that Taylor Heineke has it in him to to get him. All right. And last, the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, yeah. well, I mean, up until when the game against the Bucks, uh, I would I would have said contender. But I think the shoe is going to drop now. Um, we're going to see a lot more gum chewing and oh, yeah. a lot more losses. Oh, yeah, I agree. 
Well, that was our first ever contender and pretender, and I think we picked mostly pretenders, although I think that we could be surprised. Some of these teams, like I said, are currently in the playoff hunt, so there's still a lot of football to be played. I think there's, what, seven games left or something yeah, like that? Like so that. we are certainly going to find out quite a bit. Okay, man. So one of the things we started doing on this show is we started doing power rankings, and you know how everybody does power rankings. However, little peek behind the curtain, we do power rankings so that I personally can piss off a fan base that's out there, and I think you'll know which one it is as we go through it. So normally, Coach and I would go through our top whatever it is teams. We change it up every week. So this week, though, because Coach isn't here, he did send me his list, and I'm going to only read his list because his list totally screws over the team and the fan base that I'm hoping to screw over. So I'm going to read his his list to you and then I want you to react to it okay number seven we're doing a top seven last week we did a top ten we're just changing it up number seven he has the Baltimore Ravens <laughs> okay number six he has the New York football Giants okay all right number five the Miami Dolphins number four the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles wow at four number three Buffalo Bills mm. Mm. okay number two Minnesota Vikings wow. and number one the Kansas City Chiefs I'll give him number one for sure. Like that's, <laughs> that's for sure. So my question to you is which fan base are we intentionally trying to piss off based off of those rankings? I would say the Eagles. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Because I have had them sitting at number three, two weeks in a row. And he said that we're never going to get to do a show because Philadelphia nation is going to come after us. So we are intentionally having a top five, top six, top seven, just to rank teams because we know it ruffles so many feathers because power rankings are the most subjective thing in the entire world. And I just think that it's hilarious because people get so butthurt over it. But I will say this though. I mean, I, you could rank a lot of these teams as you'd like, but I do think that some of the teams that he has in there are certainly worthy of a conversation because they're obviously good football teams. I think the one that doesn't belong in there is the Giants, but you said they're contenders, but I don't think they're, they're like, they're, they're not top five. No. And again, I mean, to me, power rankings are always should be based on um, strength of schedule. But again, when the schedules come out, you don't know what you know yet. I do agree. Yeah, we always look at that and we try to project based off of the record of the previous year. But you don't know how things are going to go because nope. guys get hurt in preseason and, and many, many, many things happen. But I always think it's a fun exercise just because it remotely pisses everybody off. That means it is time for crunch time, something that the coach really likes. But Cleve, you're going to get to experience this for the first time where we go back and forth, rat-a-tat-tat through 10 games this week in the NFL only. Are you ready? Yes. Get her done. All right. First game, Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin and the Aviators. The Steelers aren't very good. The Bengals, I think, are going to find a way to win here. Give me the Bengals. Bengals. Yes. All right, number two, the 49ers travel to travel to Arizona to face the Cardinals. Both of these teams, I don't understand how we're still talking about them. I feel like the Cardinals are going to win at home here because the 49ers can't score more than 22 points. Give me the Cardinals. I agree. Give me the Cardinals as well. All right, our favorite team, the Cleveland Browns, traveling to Orchard Park to face the Buffalo Bills. Both of these teams need a get-right game. The Bills need it more than anybody. Give me the Bills at home in a big, big win. Give me the Browns in the upset. All right, two teams that I couldn't give less of a shit about. The Las Vegas Raiders traveling to Denver to face Russell Wilson, soon to be not Hall of Famer in the Denver Broncos. I could give a shit about this game, but honestly, I just think the home team is going to win. Give me the Broncos. I'm going to flip a coin. Give me the Broncos. <laughs> 
The Tennessee Titans travel to Green Bay to face Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. The Titans would be in the playoffs if they started today. The Packers need a win. The Titans suck. Give me the Packers. Packers as well, yes. The undefeated Philadelphia Eagles traveling to Indianapolis to face Jeff Saturday and the Indianapolis Colts. I feel like this is one of those games where the Eagles should win. Jeff Saturday is going to look him in the eye, as he said in the press conference, give me the Colts in an upset. <laughs> I think Jeff's going to get a real, real coaching lesson <laughs> this week. All right, the New York Jets traveling to Foxborough to finally beat the Patriots. They haven't been able to do it in quite a long time. Patriots coming off a bye. Jets could use a win. I like the Patriots at home here. Actually, I'm going to go Jets because I'm a Jets fan. The Detroit Lions travel to the Meadowlands to face the playoff-bound New York Giants. The Lions are poised for an upset here because the Giants seem to always try and lose games like this. But you know what? The Lions can't do anything right. Give me Danny Dimes and the Giants. I'll take I'll take Danny Dimes and the Giants. They're going to be kicking over Lion Piss real soon. <laughs> The Dallas Cowboys traveling to Minnesota in what is not quite a primetime game, but is a definite big game of the week. Vikings 8-1. and one. Cowboys need a win after that loss to the Green Bay Packers. I feel like both of these teams could fuck it up. Give me the Vikings at home. You like that? And last, the Kansas City Chiefs travel to Brandon Staley and the Flying Chargers, who are desperately in need of a win on the outside looking in. This is the Chiefs division. The Chiefs don't yet generally lose a lot of games like this. Give me Mahomes and the Chiefs big. Mahomes is going to show for five touchdowns. All right, that is crunch time where we go back and forth. Cleve, I hope that you enjoyed that. That's always my favorite thing of the week. It's just back and forth, back and forth, and you got into the groove in the middle of it and you could kind of tell what we do around here because you know what it's a lot of fun and you know it's just i like picking games and i like doing it really really fast and uh, that's just it's so fun to do that so i'm glad you got to be a part of that because i know you've listened and you're you're jealous of uh, of everything of everything we got going on here but there is still something to get done As always, OTW, where we have two things. And first, we start off with the Iceman's stat of the week. So, Cleve, I'm sure you are familiar with the Texas Longhorns. Yes. Well, the Texas Longhorns had a coach named Mac Brown for many years, and he took them to a national title game, famously lost to Nick Saban in what started the Saban dynasty. Well, he got fired because Texas fell off a little bit of a cliff. However, if Texas had never let Mac Brown go, and he repeated his nine worst seasons at Texas from 2014 to 2022... Texas as a program would have 18 more wins than they do today in that time span. So Texas never will be back. I feel like they are going to get absolutely squashed in the SEC. And it's just a funny stat because they were losing and then they fired Mac Brown and he's now at UNC and that program has been resurrected. So Texas should have kept that guy all along, man. Wow. Totally agree. Totally agree. Texas will never be back, even though I have some friends who are big Texas fans. All right. One more thing, even though the coach isn't here. My friends, it is time for Coach's Pick of the Week, and he is not here. However, he did send me a Pick of the Week through Carrier Pigeon. However, last week, his record improved to a very, very pedestrian and paltry 3-4-2 on the season as he had Clemson minus 7 over Louisville, and Clemson actually did cover. He had been in a little bit of a underdog situation, and he wanted to go for a favorite. So this week, <clears throat> hear ye, hear ye. I, the coach, 
send my picketh in to the Iceman and Coach Sports Show. This week, I'm going with an American classic, the Navy Midshipman, getting 16 and a half at UCF. Take the Midshipman to cover and make sure that the UCF Knights do not saileth away. So let it be written. So let it be done. Yes, the coach could not be here to give that pick, but as you see, we have turned him into a stained glass window, and he is, like I said, a paltry pedestrian. It's one of your favorite words, Cleve. <laughs> Three, four, and two, and boy, he's had some absolute stinkers. I think he picked Michigan to cover two weeks in a row, and they just underdog. I think he picked Rutgers to cover <laughs> against Michigan. A terrible pick. So he has been not very, very good, but that does bring us to the end of the episode, sir, and I want to thank you for stepping in. However, one of the things that I usually do is play First of all, Pub Time Podcast. That's where Brad also hosts the show. So everybody support that. But Cleve, I want to give you the platform right now to tell everybody about political football. Every Tuesday night, Scott, Dave, and myself break down the games, give some political uh, backdrop and some political satire as to what's going on. We will be discussing tomorrow the all the losers and winners of the past week uh, electoral, uh, um, all of the people that got voted in and got voted out. It always kind of um, takes me to a, a place where the America that I live in is sometimes defined by by who represents us in Congress and in the uh, in the House of Representatives. So uh, we'll be discussing and breaking down games, discussing a lot more, and, and having some fun. So please come and join us on Political Football Tuesday nights at eight thirty. Yes, Political Football is a live show on YouTube, but if you do not have the bandwidth to catch it live at eight thirty on Tuesdays, you can check it out wherever you find your podcast. And ironically enough, they are a part of the Matty Ice Media Network, and you can find all of that on MattyIceMedia.com. I always say this, please go and support us. It means the world. We're trying to do really good content for you, some engaging stuff, and we're always trying to add some stuff. So visit our website to find all the other podcasts that we have, including political football on this show, amongst many others. I want to thank everybody for tuning in this week. Ice Time Nation always brings the heat, and we will talk to you next week. This is Iceman and Coach. Opinions and viewpoints expressed on the Iceman and Coach Sports Show are those of Matt Freights, Brad Powell, and their guests, and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. The Iceman and Coach Sports Show is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and Brad Powell and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.